there, folks. This is Emily, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of E Pluribus Unum. I'm finally doing something which I promised I would do, but it's been a couple of months, but I'm making it happen. Today is, drumroll please, do your own drumroll, I don't know how to play drums. Today is the first interview that we are doing on E Pluribus Unum. The interviews that I plan to do on this podcast are interviews with normal, regular, everyday people. Though, if you are a famous person, Ben Shapiro, Dennis Prager, uh, Andrew Clave, and if any of you are listening and want to come on the podcast, I'm happy to have you. But the point of these interviews is to introduce the world to normal, everyday conservatives so that you all know they're not very scary, they're real people, they're your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends. They might not tell you that they're conservative because they think that if they do, you're gonna unfriend them and never talk to them again or disown them, but they're just real people. And so today I'm introducing you to the first real person and it is a very special person, it's my mom. And we're just gonna have a conversation about politics and about life and we'll try to keep it short, but be warned because our conversations could literally last five years nonstop and we would not run out of topics to talk about. So, hi, mom. <laughs> hi, sweetie. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So professional, I get to be called sweetie on my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe this is your first podcast ever, right? It is. I've never been interviewed before. So, really? Yeah. No. The world is missing out. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Although every conversation sometimes feels like an interview. So, yeah. Used to talking. Yes. Definitely not something I'm worried about is finding stuff to talk about today. So just to start out, can you tell people a little bit about yourself? You do not have to reveal your age, but you know, just a little bit about where you're from, your family, whatever you feel like sharing. And that's going to be in 20 minutes? Is that <laughs> <laughs> Truncated. <laughs> okay. Well, um, since the primary focus of the podcast is about politics and values and values and you know which and I actually think politics is an overused word because mm -hmm. people think everything is about politics but it's not really about politics it's about values and traditions and morality I've always had traditional values and when I was growing up I was led to believe those were encased in the liberal democrat tradition. And it was a constant mantra that we're for the little people, we're for the little people. I never thought to ask in those days who these little people were <laughs> exactly. Not sure to this day what that the intention was there. And then about 30 years ago, as you know, your dad <laughs> said, because I, I would read things and I would listen to things and I would swallow them whole. And it, and it was, if it's in print, if it's on TV, it must be true. I was very trusting. And then he said, read between the lines and question and think for yourself. And you would think that a college educated person who maybe already had a child or two <laughs> and was older than 21 might've already thought for herself, but I didn't. I just pretty much was brainwashed into the cult. And that was from all like, that was school, parents, from, everything. That was from being, that was from parents. That was from being, I suppose, raised in New York and, you know, the Jewish Surrounded by Jews, etc., most of whom still, obviously, as you know, adhere to that tradition and set of beliefs. And honestly, I didn't really think about politics that much. I mm. never really focused on it. My parents were kind of involved, but it wasn't a source of daily conversation like it is today. So it was just something kind of in the back of my mind. The Democrats are for the little people. We're good. We're good. They're bad. And that was it. It was just a dichotomy. There wasn't any black and white. And then when dad... Except everything was black and except white. Except <laughs> Can I still say black and white? Anyway, Only if you capitalize black. You have to think it as a capital uh, B when you speak. 
People oh. can hear capitalization. They can? Apparently. That's very talented. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think black is still an adjective. Yeah. I Okay. Well, well we can talk further <laughs> about that later. But anyway, so he, he encouraged me, and I'm really glad I was open-minded to it, because honestly, I was not always the most open-minded person. I was pretty much, life is black and white, you know, mm-hmm. there's right and wrong, and there were no gray areas. So he told me read and I started to read and I started to question. And of course, I started to read sources that were not necessarily the top three or five that there were three networks, you know, right. There were other sources. I don't specifically remember what they were at this time, although, of course, heavily figured into that transformation or uh, factored into it was Dennis Prager Mm -hmm. and the Conservative Chronicle. Right. And it wasn't only a question. So it's not really about politics. It's about certain events world events being explained in a different manner and seen through a different lens. And my mind was opened. And that's when I became conservative. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it was an epiphany. Do you feel like what you were reading was telling you a different... Because it could be that before you had a bunch of liberal Democrat sources, so you thought liberal Democrat, now you have a bunch of conservative Republican sources, so you think Republican conservative. But I feel like it's a little bit more you had just different sources. So now you saw two sides of a historical event or two sides right. of a story, which allows you to say, oh, maybe the narrative is somewhere in the middle, or it could be looked at in a different way. I think the narrative is somewhere in the middle, although I at this point firmly believe it is a little bit closer to the right. Because one of the main factors that was revealed to me or that became obvious to me around that time was that the leftist philosophy is very centered on feelings. Hmm. And even yesterday, I was listening to a Thomas Sowell video mm-hmm. where he talked about how, because he was a Marxist when he grew up, and he right. talked about how attractive it was. And he completely understands that in the absence of any really concrete evidence to the contrary, the left is very appealing. Yes. you know. It, but as he said, it's not how the world works. Right. Like it would be great if there were some benevolent person to give money to everyone, if it was falling like manna from the heavens and everyone were equal and, you know, there were no, that's not how the world works. So I feel like conservatism is a a way of thinking Mm -hmm. that acknowledges people, how how people are and how the world works. Yes. And tries to make it better through from that point of view. That's a really good way of putting it. I don't know if you feel this way, but I often, when I listen to people on the left talk about their feelings and how they experience things, sometimes I feel like a bad person for not wanting the same, Mm -hmm. not the same results, but the same solutions that they do. Because I think, wow, these people feel like they're oppressed their whole lives or they're they're always depressed. I don't want people to feel that way. And I wouldn't want to feel that way. It's, It's almost like they want easy fixes. And I kind of liken it to the relationship between a parent and a child. Mm. so children first of all like to be told yes they right. don't like anything hard they don't like anything they don't like to have to work too hard for anything they want it to be given to them mm-hmm. and that's a really big difference between conservatives and liberals from my perspective or conservatives and leftists because i know we have to make that distinction right that the liberals are left they well maybe not as much of a distinction now as it used to be they want the government to take care of them and children want parents to take care of them. At a certain point, children realize they're going to have to take care of themselves for the most part. Although right. parents are always going to be there. <laughs> they do. They are. Note, note to interviewer. <laughs> you, there are some hard realities that people don't want to face. And that, that's a big distinction. I don't even remember how I keep, I asked, I've asked your dad several times since then, how did 
that happen? How did you actually open my mind enough to break out of the cult? Because it was, it was a cult. <laughs> I use the term advisedly that encompassed what one should wear. And, you know, that is mm. how, that is how parents are. You are raised a certain way and however your parents raised you is what you think is the right way. And often it is. And there are some things about it one should retain. I guess at a certain point you have to determine what to keep and what to modify. I think it is impressive that you had an open mind because that's really what this whole podcast is about. It's not necessarily about changing people's minds or telling people what to think. The left is too far, but people who are really liberal mm -hmm. Democrats, I think they can, they do have some real solutions and sometimes real issues that we on the right maybe don't see or see things from a perspective that we haven't considered. So I do think there's something there. And I think it's a little bit people on both sides are so closed to other arguments, other opinions. So I do think it's impressive that you actually had an open mind to say, here's something different. Well, thank you. And it wasn't easy because as you know, I met a lot of opposition from my parents who thought your dad turned me to the dark side <laughs> and it created a lot of angst in the family. And it was always hard then to talk about anything in a civilized manner. And I've always had this fantasy that two people could get together and talk in a civilized manner that's becoming less and less possible, sadly. So I do have one friend with whom I can converse. He's a liberal. He identifies as a liberal. I can say identifies as a liberal because yeah. people identify <laughs> as all kinds of things these days. But by and large, I find that whenever I reach out to people on the left, they do not want to talk about it. They just want to tell me things about myself that are completely untrue. Um, yes. If, if, you're, if you've been around for other episodes of this podcast, you'll know that I talked about that on Monday, I think, being told what I believe or what I feel. You can tell me that my solutions are wrong or that I'm missing some fact, but to or tell disagree. me, yeah. or disagree, but to tell me, oh, you're not religious or you're racist you're or you're, good, right. I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to do here is make it that people can just disagree, but not question. You don't know what I feel in my heart. That is a very big difference between the right and the left because the right is just demonized for whatever they say. If they don't agree with the prevailing mantra, then we're just bad. And that's really made it uncomfortable. In fact, I, I, sometimes I joke with your dad, why did you turn me into this? Now I'm unpopular. <laughs> I'm, I'm anxious all the time because people are thinking things about me, maybe not in personal relationships. I think once people get to know me, they don't. But I've been called a Nazi twice. In social media. And your I, mother escaped Austria because of the Nazis, exactly, right? Exactly. Family family escaped the Holocaust. I'm Jewish, et cetera, et cetera. And I've been called a Nazi, which should be funny, almost funny. Right. But it's really... And then even when you tell people that... I, I remember the first person who called me a Nazi. It was because I had commented negatively on something that was posted on Facebook that was very, very ugly. And they called me a Nazi. And I said, that's really interesting because I am... And I identified myself. They didn't back down because... Just the fact that I disagreed with the leftist mantra made me a Nazi, period, the end. It's like a syllogism. You disagree, therefore you're a Nazi. There's no thought process involved. No, none at all. In fact, if there were a thought process involved, I don't think people would jump to Nazi so quickly because you would realize they're pretty much the worst of the worst. And probably this person who said something I didn't like is not literally Hitler. Well, I always think it's very illustrative of how horrendous that event in history was because it is the go-to and sometimes for both sides. Personally, I don't think it should ever be used because it is a singular event 
horrible event in history and should never be used. And it's very insulting that just because you have differing differing views, you're called a Nazi. But they don't even know what it, they don't even know what they're saying. Unfortunately, that's what it's come to these days. So, but I remember recently getting an email from one of my um, cousins with whom I tried to engage, and she told me, and I just wrote her a very civilized email about what my thoughts were, and I never mentioned President Trump. And the reason I'm saying that is because she then launched into an entire diatribe of all of the utterances that are attributed to Trump, most of which were taken out of context or misquoted in order to promote an agenda and said, and you just like him because he supports Israel and because he's good for your um, for the stock market. Now, I have never mentioned Trump in my email. <laughs> I never mentioned the stock market and Israel probably I did mention peripherally. So she was attributing all sorts of thoughts and motives to me that I never even said. And then at that point, I decided I'm not even going to respond because why? You can't have a conversation. I always admire you. And maybe you can talk about this if you want to. But you do write letters and emails when you are motivated and feel like people, whether it's personal or to companies or letters to the editor of the newspaper. We'll talk about that because I want to write things a lot, but it seems like writing things doesn't help people don't really read it. Or if you're sending it, you know, to Bath and Body Works, you're one out of a million and who's going to listen? Well, I think writing things does serve two purposes, one of which is maybe a little bit selfish because at least it makes you feel like you're doing something, expressing yourself. Because there's nothing worse than feeling powerless. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, I called a friend of mine, a fellow conservative last night because I wanted to ask her take on contributing money to a certain congressional race that still hasn't been called. Hmm. And she called me. She didn't just text me. And we had about a 45-minute conversation during which I told her that I'd gotten off Facebook because A, it was too stressful, and B, I just didn't want to be giving any money to Mark Zuckerberg (laughs) or those of his ilk. And she said, that's not the right way to go about it. She said, stay on Facebook, get involved in certain pages, go to Rand Paul's page, go to the CNN forum, go to, and not only conservative um, sites, she said, you're not monetizing Facebook as much if you don't click on their clickbait just Mm. by being a presence. And if you got off, they don't know it and they don't care. It doesn't do anything. She said, stay on. And not only that, go to different browsers and go onto various pages. She, and she was very complimentary. She said, you express yourself in a civilized manner. She actually expressed disgust at how some people on the right we're engaging mm. in conspiracy theories and going too far, yeah, which is playing into the hands of the left. Absolutely. So she said, we're not like that. We need to talk about issues. It's not about Trump. Right. It's not about any one person. It is about the various issues. And if you communicate in a reasoned manner, people will listen to you. And so I'm going to get back out there. Good for I you. Think. Yeah. We never know what effects any of our words have. You know, we're conservatives. We don't expect the big major outcome because we write a letter. Right. We have to just stay out there and keep at it slowly. That's really good advice. Thank you. I felt better after speaking with her. That's good. Yeah. So I want to change direction a little bit because we have been talking a lot about politics, which Mm -hmm. is a big reason why I brought you on here. But this podcast is not strictly politics. And I agree with you, politics is overused, but sometimes you just don't know what other word to use. But I want to, well, I'm going to ask you both questions now, and maybe you can think about them in tandem. The first is, what issues do actually matter to you? Because I think that like your cousin who said you only cared about the stocks in Israel, well, maybe you do. And I don't think that we should be told what issues need to matter. I've never liked that as women, we're supposed to care about abortion. I mean, I do care about abortion, 
and that I don't think people should have abortions, but that's never really been a major issue for me. Right. And then I also want to know how your Judaism and your values affect what topics are most important to you, because this is mm -hmm. ultimately a podcast where we talk values and Judaism. And I think those two things for a lot of people go together, especially for Jews. And I think people have the wrong idea of where or not. They have an accurate view of where Jews are in politics, but they don't realize that there's a whole other segment of Jews who think very differently about politics. Right. Well, I think what they don't realize is that the more traditional Jews actually are on the right. Right. And because there aren't, there just aren't as many. I mean, maybe they're not as vocal. So I'm not particularly observant, mm -hmm. um, but I am traditional. And I think one of the most salient principles in Judaism is the emphasis on actions versus thoughts. Mm -hmm. And this is something, even with my liberal parents, I was brought up with all the time. For example, my dad will, would always say, if you give charity, it doesn't matter why you're doing it. I mean, it's great to give it out of the goodness of your heart, but mm -hmm. the recipient is benefited whether you give it grudgingly or willingly. Mm -hmm. or is it grudgingly and begrudgingly? Do those both mean the same thing? That's another podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, in fact, the recipient doesn't care. He doesn't know. All right. he knows is that he got a contribution or a donation. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that leads again to conservatism because we don't really question necessarily what's in people's minds. We just really focus on what they do. Right. And in fact, there have been studies that conservatives are much more philanthropic on the whole than, than um, liberals are. But liberals talk a lot about giving other people's money. Yes. But conservatives actually walk the walk. Right. So that to me is much more in line with Judaism and Jewish ideals. And I'm like you, I, I have, I'm kind of in the middle about abortion, but it's just one issue. It's not an animating issue for me. It's mm -hmm. not a litmus test for me. My issues are about national security and international security. For example, if the president did nothing else but make sure that we were safe, he should get Diana. a raise. <laughs> Diana, exactly. <laughs> that's all that I want him to do. Mm -hmm. And that's all I, that's the main, I mean, maybe there, obviously there's some other things, but that's the main uh, function of the federal government. Right. So the, all of these other social issues, I think should be left to local municipalities, to churches, to other entities. I don't want to get... I mean, there's, there's too much to this conversation, yes. <laughs> really. I can tell. I don't want to get involved in social engineering. So what animates me is those, well, justice. Mm -hmm. But that's been overused because I don't think of justice as social justice, which is predicated upon a perception of victimhood. Yes. And anyone can make themselves sound like a victim. Mm -hmm. No, that's not what animates me. True justice. True justice. It is interesting if you read Torah or any subsequent commentaries on Torah, justice and a just God, it's such a major part of what Jews believe in and who God's supposed to be. But you're right, justice has such a, even when it doesn't have social justice in mm -hmm. front of it, even when it's just used on its own, it almost seems like people just mean revenge or a way to even the playing field. Right. But not really what justice is to the point that I don't know if you feel the same way, but when I, justice for me is a dog whistle, but in a negative way, mm -hmm. if I see someone posting about they believe in justice, I don't believe them. And I assume that they mean justice in a way that justice is not meant what, to be. That it wasn't intended to be. Right? Yeah. Justice to me is if you are, if you do bad things, you should be punished, punished. And if you do good things, 
you should at least be rewarded, not monetarily, but in terms of acknowledgement or that sort of thing. I think things are either less complicated, way much, <laughs> let me rephrase this, way less complicated than they should be or more, depending upon your point of view, but actually it should all be very simple. It shouldn't require constant legislation. I've had this fantasy for years that some at some point, every single law is repealed <laughs> except the Ten Commandments. Because honestly, if we had nothing but the Ten Commandments and people honestly followed them, yes. you'd need nothing else. Yeah. So that's, I guess, where my Judaism <laughs> you know, comes into. Even though I may not practice it every day, because Judaism is so multi multi-dimensional and it's talk, it talks about morality and tradition and also observances, which that tend to um, reinforce those things. Right. But you can be a very moral person, not be Jewish or not be religious at all, as we know. Right. So does that explain where the Judaism... I think it does. Yeah, I think that was a very good job. And it certainly, for the listeners who are paying attention, which I think is you and just a few other people. So if you're <laughs> paying attention, but my approach is so similar. And I know that you and also dad have had a very, like your way of thinking is my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I can see the direct line right. to that. And don't forget Dennis Prager. And Dennis Prager. Well, could never forget Dennis Prager. I do want to hear about your gay friend's in Florida, you know how people aren't, they can't prove they're not racist by saying I have a black friend, <laughs> which I sort of get, because I know that there is this idea that people, they might say, Oh, but this black person's different, but I still hate all black people. I, I hate Jews, but this Jews, okay, mm -hmm. I think they say there are people like that. I'm sure there are people like that, because there are people like everything right. in this world. But you have these, this gay couple, right, that you and your husband are super good friends with. Right. And I think it's good for people to know about them. So I just want to share a little bit about okay. them. You know, gladly, but I do have to go back a little, if you don't mind, yeah. to the to the racist thing, because I want to go up to someone one day and say, oh, what does that mean? Because I'd like to force people to explain what racism actually is. Is it a thought process or is it a, se a series of actions? Mm. For example... And I don't feel this way. Let's say I hated black people, but I never did anything about it. I'm entitled. Right. I mean, you are entitled to any thought that you have. You are just not entitled to those actions, to any actions that harm other people. So what is racism? Is a joke, right? am I racist because I tell a joke? Is someone anti-Semitic because they tell a Jewish joke? Okay. We've so become so sensitive, and I'm not the first person to talk about this, obviously, that we cannot think or speak a certain way. No, to me, it's all about actions. So that's something that I think should be elaborated on. I would love to find out what what people think racism is. I bet they would not come up with a definition. No, or they'd say that it's a group in power oppressing the, people who are not in power yeah, or something but like they that. Would have, they would have a hard time really defining. But as to my gay, our gay friends, well, they're friends of my husband's for many, many years. They were neighbors of his. I've visited with them several times. We've stayed with them. We've had a bit you know, the best time. They're amazing. And they're completely conservative. I mean, when we went down there to visit them to Florida, we just watched Fox News together <laughs> nonstop and it was such a bond. Sounds like so much fun. It was so much fun. That was on top of the happy hours. Oh, but that helps. The, the most, one of the most defining instances around this relationship was when I was with an old friend who's a stereotypical New, New York Jewish person. And I was telling him that we were visiting these two friends and that they were gay friends, um, gay guys. And he looked at me quizzically. He, t he cocked his head and looked <laughs> at me like I've said something from another language. And I said, what? He said, well, you're conservative and 
I'm puzzled. You have gay friends. And, and this was an intelligent person, I thought. <laughs> so to me, that was such informative moment to tell how the thought, what the thought process can be on the left and the cognitive dissonance that they suffer when a conservative acts in a way that's, that's different from what they might predict. But it speaks to what they think about us and how wrong they are about us. Okay. Yes. So I never have cared, and I have a gay niece, obviously, as we as we know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Right. And I've never cared. And in fact, although I'm sure there are some very right-wing people, mind you, they're only right-wing, there's no left-wing, so, you know, make, yeah. make, note, note that. Isn't it interesting, though, that even, like, we use the term right-wing. We recognize we, that there are people... We recognize extremes on our side. Yes. But the left does not, so that's, gosh, another podcast. <laughs> There are definitely some very right-wing people who maybe want to stone gaze, who thinks think they should be punished just for their actions or their beliefs or who they are. There certainly are people like that in other countries, there other countries where those laws exist. Yeah, exactly. That's not this country. Right. But I don't know any of those people. No. I actually don't know a single conservative, and most of my friends in my circle are conservatives. Right. I don't know anyone who cares what race, religion, sexual orientation, color, you name it, yeah. at all. And that's the big lie. Yeah. So if I could ever, you know, if that were one of the things that we could get out there into the <laughs> stratosphere that we're not what you think we are. Take the time to learn. Get to know people. Get to know people. Don't make assumptions. Just like what they argue for, which is don't make assumptions about people based upon skin color. By the way, separate thought, I think I'm going to start using skin color instead of race because that's really what people are talking about. Right. They're just talking about a skin color. They're not talking about a race because black is not a race. They're, okay, it's people from Africa, but there are tons of different African countries. What about someone who's half white and half black or half black and anything else. And of course, Asian is not a monolith. White is not a monolith. So Right. And they also use, they talk about Hispanics as being a different race and they're actually not. They're, I believe they're Caucasian, or at least they were when they were just however many races I learned that way back when. Right. Which is why the idea of race is so silly because at one point, I think there were, it was Negroid, right. Caucasian or Caucasoid a maybe. And then Asian, Asian, like, I don't remember exactly the terms, but yes, there's such a wide variety of how people look and the biologies and what sort of like Jews are predisposed to certain physical ailments. Right. Well, the thing is that we, people should not be praised or vilified for things they have no control over. Mm -hmm. and that's why I've also sometimes taken an exception to when people say I'm proud to be Jewish. I understand it. And Jews have a long history of accomplishment. But I did not, I can't take credit for having been born Jewish. Yeah. And I'm very, as you know, I'm very, very hesitant to take credit for things I don't think I deserve them for. Yes. I really want them. <laughs> I do deserve them. But why should a person take credit for some, something over which they had no control? Or why should someone be vilified for something over which they had no control? So ironically, now Martin Luther King's beliefs are completely out of sync with those who would claim to be his adherents. Right? Yeah. Because now they do want people to be judged by the color of their skin and not the content of their character. They don't even care about the content of a person's character. They yeah. think that their skin color informs yeah. completely. And we really don't. And I was actually going to ask you this question, but you already did it. it and that was, what is the one thing, if you could get out, this <laughs> one thing to people 
And you said it. No, they actually take time to get to know us and that what they think they know about us, they don't. And of course, this all comes to the down to the media. And that comes that's another fantasy, brings up another fantasy <laughs> of mine, which I've had for years now. That if the media were silenced, and obviously I believe in a free press, which we don't currently have. Right. But if we did, uh, if they were silenced for a year, this world would be in such better shape because people would not be subjected to falsehoods on both sides. Yeah. They would have to make their own opinions. And we would all we would know is facts. This happened on this date. This person, I, I only want to know the concrete facts. I don't want... Or, or if I do want opinion, I don't want someone who's pretending to be a journalist right. who is actually giving me an opinion. And there's no, I, I can't imagine anyone who would argue that that's all pervasive these days. I have a lot of similar fantasies. <laughs> so we'll step away from politics again, because the point is for people to get to know you. So other than politics, what do you like to do? Like if I feel like these days we do define ourselves by our politics, then we all move into our own little corners of, oh, here's I'm, I'm with my fellow conservatives and I'm with my liberals over right. here. But I feel like we'd much rather align ourselves with people that we have similar interests. That's true. So what are some of your interests? What do you do in your free time? That's that's a very good point. It's, it's We shouldn't be, as one of my friends call it, tribing up. Exactly. We should spend time. And I do have friends who don't, whom I don't agree. In fact, one of my oldest and dearest friends feels completely differently from me. And when we do venture into it, we venture out pretty quickly <laughs> because I met her when I was, when she and I were dancing and performing in community theater. Mm -hmm. So that was probably one of the best times of my life prior to kids. <laughs> <laughs> I won't take it personally. <laughs> Anything to do with dancing. And I hope that I'll always be able to dance because that is literally my favorite activity. Wow. We have a lot in common. <laughs> I mean, if, if there were anything I could, I'd give up chocolate. I'd give up almost anything mm -hmm. as long as I could dance. So that's when, in fact, someone recently wrote about me. They could tell that's when I'm my, my authentic self. I'm not inhibited. I, that's, that's who I am. That's really so, nice. But unfortunately, it's not something you can do all the time, especially right. nowadays. You can't, not, it's very frustrating that I have a group of friends with whom I do that. We do go now dancing when we can. Mm -hmm. So when that opens up again, that'll be great. Yeah. I more and more realize that one of my main priorities is just people. And I know it's very cliche to say I'm a people person, <laughs> especially for job applications. But I am not the kind of person who needs a lot of alone time. I need mm -hmm. some, but I derive my strength from being with people. And so, you know, obviously, as you know, I love being a mom. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, that almost can go overboard because I'm always, what do you want? What can I do for you? What can I get for you? What, you know, can I cook? Can I clean? Whatever. And that's just who I am. I've kind of come to terms with it because it took a long time. I thought you should have some grandiose goal of what you want to accomplish with your life. And at this age, I'm probably not going to have the grandiose goal, but maybe most people don't. Yes. I mean, not maybe, but most people don't. And even so, the people that do, I mean, we remember Shakespeare. There are a few people whose names, but most people, even if they're famous in their time, I'm sure you could name an actress right now that I've never heard of, but, you know, probably right. someone who's the biggest in their time. So that's true. And then, and often you find out when you read about these people, thanks Wikipedia, <laughs> that usually, they usually weren't the most amazingly wonderful people, at least not to their family. True. And some of the most successful and creative people turn out to be not nice at all. Yeah. We have to have them. Because they yeah. advance society and culture. 
But anyway, so for me, it's spending time with people, um, socializing, hanging out, having a little happy hour at home, hanging with my kids, as you know. That's that's probably one of my favorite activities. But and I've also recently discovered reading, rediscovered mm-hmm. reading. That kind of comes and goes because attention span comes and goes. Mm-hmm. But when you can really get into a good book that you cannot wait to get back to, that's very enriching. Yeah. I also happen to have some insider information that you're a big fan of organizing and moving furniture around. (laughs) Okay. So another fantasy, and by the way, our fantasies would never be on certain websites. They'd be very dull. (laughs) People would say that's your fantasy. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, that would be, that should have been my career being a professional organizer. I mm. just love it. And my husband and I um, always joke about how furniture should have wheels. If furniture <laughs> does not have wheels, do not buy it. I don't think there's a single thing in this house that has not lived elsewhere <laughs> and will not live elsewhere again, because there is a certain pleasure to be to be derived from the visual change. Mm. And also from things having different functions so, but it all, but I think psychologically it comes down to being able to control something in, especially in an era, era when everything is so out of control. Makes sense. So when I can just reorganize and minimal, minimize, 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 yeah, minimize, but I am a minimalist Yes. <laughs> to, an, to ex- an extent. I don't like owning too many things and I'm all too happy to give them away mm-hmm. or yeah. So you're right. I just felt like people couldn't walk away from a podcast where you're the interviewee without knowing that about you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it either makes me sound really organized or really neurotic. I'm not sure which. Well, people already know you're a Jewish woman from New York, so they assume you're neurotic. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So it's actually a badge of honor that I'm not in any uh, medication on a regular basis. Exactly. (laughs) Because those things that I previously mentioned are my medication people and they say so they say the distinction between when oh, an introvert, introvert or extra yeah extra, mm-hmm. introvert or extrovert or when you derive your strength from being alone or from being with people and i clearly de- derive it from being with mm. people that is very interesting that is not a place where we overlap which is interesting i know and it's also interesting that because we are so similar in so many ways sometimes there's a little like oh no she doesn't We're not agree the same with me on that way. There's something wrong there. The planets are not in alignment, even though we joke about being clones, obviously. Right. Two separate people with a lot in common. Fair, yes. Which is probably usual for right. mothers and daughters or fathers and sons. Could go either way. So do I have any other I, hobbies? I Right before this podcast, actually, I was doing some knitting. Very nice. And it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. I'm knitting a very spotty looking scarf. <laughs> My goal is to just finish the entire skein of wool and I'll have a very long scarf. Nice. Which will hide the drop stitches. <laughs> I do I do like doing things with my hands. And mm-hmm. I used to do a lot more arts and crafts projects and various things. So that's fun to do. I finally have also come to terms with the fact that I'm retired. I was resistant to the term because it made me sound so old and I don't feel old. I feel 18. I'm stuck at 18. Really? I'd have to go that. I'd have to think when, when the happiest time, maybe not 18, maybe 25. But anyway, I was born when you were not 25. So happiest time should. I'm in dangerous, <laughs> I'm on dangerous ground here right now. In fact, I remember during my birthday celebration saying this is the happiest time of my life and thinking, oh, no, I'm going to be in big trouble now. <laughs> was the happiest time of life when you were born or when your brother was born? <laughs> Which actually is a good 
lesson not to use superlatives in general or absolutes because mm. they're almost always wrong. Almost always. See what you did there. You caught yourself. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost always wrong. Yes. Again, with the Nazis, that's a superlative. It's almost always wrong. Yes. Coming full circle. That's very good. We do come full circle pretty well in our conversations. And I think it's about time. This is a little bit longer than usual, but that's reasonable because usually it's just me talking and no one wants to listen to just me talk for that long. I do. Thank you. And she does. Almost nobody. (laughs) You're right. I guess the last question is just if there's any final thing that you want to get out to the world. And by the world, I mean, however many listeners and potential people on Instagram that -hmm. I talk to, and it doesn't have to be about politics. It could be about politics. It could be about values, religion. It could be something that you live by. If there's just any parting words or parting advice that you'd like to give people. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have to be any sort of super, it doesn't have to be the wisest or the funniest or the best, just it could just be something that's on your mind right now. Well, it's something that I think that I thought about last week whenever I had an occasion to blow out a birthday candle. Because <laughs> everyone jokes, are you wishing for world peace? Are you wishing for birthday cake? You know, what are you wishing for? And I just kept thinking, good. I just wish for good to triumph over evil. And whereas I know people def- may define it a little bit differently, depending upon their point of view, I think ultimately... Everybody just wants to be treated nicely and kindly. And I know that's how you also end your podcasts. Coincidentally, but not coincidentally. Right. We haven't talked about it, but we haven't talked we're about it, but, but we have the same thought processes. Be a little kinder than necessary. It's, it's not a perfect system, but you do try to go out of your way to tell that person you like their dress, to help someone carry someone something if they're struggling. Just those little things that are not going to be reported on in the media. Mm-hmm. But if you can make various people's lives or daily lives a little bit better, then you've accomplished something. Thank you. That was a perfect way to end it. And you're correct. Not not just it's a perfect way to end it because that's such a nice sentiment, but it works for this podcast <laughs> in particular because I talked about it. So thank you so much. You're welcome. For thank being you. the first. Maybe we'll make it an annual thing. My mom's birthday was last Thursday week mm-hmm. and Dennis Prager does something did something similar with his parents at least with his dad when he right. was alive every year on his dad's mm-hmm. birthday he'd interview him so that's very nice yeah maybe we'll make it a thing and I'll do dad in the fall and yeah so thank you so much for being here you're welcome thank you it was fun I'm good glad. I'm glad and you did really well by the way you always speak very well if any of you out there think that I speak well, you should meet my mom because I learned it all from her and she has more years of experience doing it. So, and she isn't influenced by some of the millennial culture like I am. So she does not say like nearly as much as I do or some words like legit, which I definitely use. So thank you for making this podcast possible for giving me the skills to speak as well as I do. And thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. And remember, always be a little kinder than necessary. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. I hope today's episode made you think or brought some clarity and positivity to your day. Subscribe to the show to always get the most recent episode directly to your device. Please leave a rating and a review and share the show with your family, friends, or anyone you think might benefit from a little Torah wisdom and conservative thoughts. For more of my thoughts and ideas I share from others, please follow me on Instagram at conservative Jewish female or read my blog conservative Jewish female.blogspot.com. 
The intro outro music is Chopin's Waterfall Etude. Have a great day.